Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us how after the fall of Adam, how God opened up the privilege and power to change the seedship to the Lord Jesus Christ. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Lord, let it be that when we leave this class today, that we'll just say two words. And those words are God first. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you turn in your, in your Bible there, Genesis 4, I think it's always a good idea that we get the backdrop, uh, although we're not going to be covering every part of this, it's important for us to see the context. So Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, And Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man, the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord, and Abel he also brought of the firstlings of the flock and the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, his countenance fell, the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Cain talked with Abel, his brother. came to pass, when they were in the field, Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is thy Abel, thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? He said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground, and now thou art, art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass. Everyone that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon him, upon Cain, lest any, any finding him should kill him. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. Now, I'll just drop down to uh, verse 24. And Cain shall be avenged, 70, sorry, verse 25. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son and called his name Seth. For God, said she, hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. Now, a little bit of review. Last week we started off to see a great mystery in Scripture, and that's the mystery of two seeds. Of the two seeds, the seed of the devil, which we were all born into. We start our lives that way. We sin because we are sinners. We're all born part of the seed of the devil. And we saw in John 8, 44, the Lord Jesus called those seeking to kill him the seed of the devil. Ye are of your father the devil, he said. We saw that. And then we saw how a person reveals himself to be the seed of the devil by his actions. We saw how Saul revealed himself to be a seed of the devil, seeking to kill Christians. But on a road to Damascus, a tremendous change, a great repentance in Saul's life happened when he called the Lord Jesus Christ God. And that was accompanied by this change in seedship. 
And Paul at that point, his name was changed, Saul to Paul, and he was born into a new seed. And we saw the description of this change in seedship, of how Paul became part of a group called the many. The many who are described in John 1, 12-13. The many as received him. To them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. What God did in the Garden of Eden after the fall was that God opened the possibility to change seedship. He opened the opportunity to change seedship. He opened the ability to change seedship. He opened up a power or an authority through receiving the Lord Jesus Christ to have a new title, sonship with God. That's what he did. And this is what through adoption. Now, all that God opened up as possibilities, as opportunities, as abilities, that became a reality for two people, for Adam and Eve, because they decided to take off those uh, figs, uh, aprons that they had made, and accept God's provided uh, skins from the sacrifice, and they took the one step further. One step further, one step beyond, that's what they did, one step beyond with God. Not just to believe in God, but to believe on God. And there's a difference. There's a difference between believing in God and a believing on God, and it's all about taking the one step further. One step further to trusting God, that's what they did. One step further to relying on God, that's what they did. One step further to depending on God in the garden for their salvation. That's what they did. And with that one step further, they were born again into a new seed line, the seed of God or the seed of the woman. That change in the seed, that new birth had nothing to do with their bloodline. Nothing to do with their bloodline at all. Why? Because we'll see in this chapter that Adam and Eve, two parents, gave birth to two children, one child, Cain, ended up staying the seed of the devil and proving that by his actions and also gave birth to Abel and to Seth who ended up changing their seedship to the seed of God. The second birth, the changing of the seedship, is supernatural. And the only one who enables a repentant sinner a sinner who is sorry for his sins and wants to change and wants to be a child of God and is willing to come to God on God's terms. The only one who can enable him to do that is God. And he gives him a power. And that's why that word power is so important in John 1.12. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on at his name. Power to become, or if you like authority, power to cause to become the sons of God. That phrase, power to become, it reminds us of something that happened in the history of the Jewish people when they were in Jerusalem. They were under a terrible siege from Sennacherib's army. They were starving to death. They were this close from being totally annihilated. And Sennacherib's army is out 
side of the walls of Jerusalem, defaming and blaspheming the name of God. And so it was a day of trouble. It was called a day of trouble. It was called a day of rebuke. It was called a day of blasphemy. And the Jewish people coined a phrase. And you find this phrase both in Second Chronicles and also in Isaiah. And the phrase that they coined, they described themselves as a baby that's ready to be born. Here's how they put it in Isaiah 37.3. They said unto him, Thus saith Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble and of rebuke and of blasphemy, for the children are come to the birth and there's not strength to bring forth. That was the phrase they used. They said, we are like children that have come to the birth and there's not strength to bring forth. Not strength to bring forth. Picture a group of people. And this group of people, they want to be sons of God. Oh, they do. And they want to be sons of God on their terms. And they want to be sons of God by keeping the law. And they want to be sons of God by keeping their religious traditions. And they want to be sons of God by doing good works. And you could use that same phrase in Isaiah to describe them. They're like children that have come to the birth, but there's not strength to bring forth. They cannot make it happen. They cannot make themselves to become, power to become. They have no power to become the children of God. Now you picture another group of people who come to God on God's terms. And they come to him and they receive the Lord Jesus Christ. That's God's terms. They want to be sons of God just the same as the other group. But for them, he's to them, to them it says, gave he power to become sons of God. They are the children that come to the birth, and there is power to bring forth. There is strength to bring forth. Why? Because God gave the power. In John 1.12, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Tom, today you talked about a great change, or great becoming, similar to how we became the sons of God. What is a good example of a person who went through that type of dramatic change from being the seed of the devil to becoming the seed of God. You know, there is an example here, and maybe uh, you, like me at first, really don't see this, but when you put two gospel accounts together of Luke and Matthew about the occurrence of the two other crosses on the hill of Calvary, Of course, I'm speaking about the two thieves that were crucified with the Lord Jesus Christ, one on the right hand of him and the other on his left hand. When you put the two accounts together from Luke and Matthew, you see there was a great change. You see, Luke 23, 32 says, and there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. So what do we learn from Luke 23, 32, is that there were two thieves, and they were led with him to be put to death. But this is where, when we put the account together with Matthew 27, and again, when you have the Gospels, it's not repetition, it's four eyes looking at the same thing, giving you four different angles. And so what Matthew tells us what Luke does not tell us is very, very valuable. But here's what Matthew says in Matthew 27, 38. Same thing as, uh, as Luke did in the re- verse we just read in Luke. 
Matthew 27, 38 says, There were, then there were, then were there, two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. Okay, fine. So that's just telling us the same thing, that there were two thieves that were crucified with him, and it gives us the position. One was on the right hand, one was on the left. But then, in verse 44 of Matthew 27, it tells us something that we have to look very carefully, and we'll see. It says, the thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. So what is that telling us? That's showing us that these two thieves were together in reviling the Lord Jesus Christ. Both of them were casting the same accusations of doubt about who he was that were from the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders. They were throwing that, both of them, the one on his right hand and the one on his left hand, were throwing that in his teeth. That's what we get from Matthew 27. Now we go back to look again through Luke's eyes in Luke 23 and verse 39 where we pick up the account. And now, see, before in Matthew 27, the two thieves were together casting the same in his teeth. But now when we switch to Luke 23, now we see the great division, the great separation between the two thieves. And here's how it goes. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, if thou be Christ, save thyself and us. So in other words, Matthew told us that in the period of time that he commented on, they were both together casting reviles into the teeth of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were reviling him. But now when Luke gives it to us here, the account, he takes it up at this other period of time where one of them is doubting his his messiahship. And he says, If thou be Christ, save thyself and others. Then in verse 40 we see, But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. Oh, thank God for the gospel writer Luke, who shows us this great part of the account where this man takes his stand apart from the other. This man crosses the line. This man steps over onto the other side with the Lord Jesus Christ. And in doing that, he turns before he dies, and he turns to his partner in crime, his partner, and he says to him, he rebukes him. And he says, don't you fear God? What's that mean? That means that this malefactor has now become a person who fears God. And then he says, seeing thou art in the same condemnation, and we indeed justly. 
So this malefactor now is honest. This malefactor is saying, I am receiving what I deserve. You are receiving what you deserve. This is a person now who is coming honestly to God and saying, I'm a sinner. I deserve what I'm receiving. This is a person who has changed. This is a person who is becoming a son of God, one of the sons of God. And then in verse 41, or sorry, in verse 42, he now turns, and we see here this great change in this person as he turns to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And he says, and here's how it reads in verse 42, and he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Whoa, do we see a change in this person from these words. This person who before only said that Jesus was a man, that Jesus was a deceiver, that Jesus was claiming to be someone that he wasn't, now this person has changed so much and has become so different from the way he was that now when he addresses Jesus, he calls him Lord. You know, when a man calls a person Lord in the Bible, He's not just calling him like a, like, a, like a sir title. He's calling him God. He's saying to him, God. He's calling him God. We know from the Bible, no man can call Jesus Lord but by the Spirit of God. So this person now, with the help of the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, is now able to and is now calling the Lord Jesus Christ God, very God, God himself. How important was that? We don't know if this man heard, but the Lord Jesus Christ did say, unless you believe that I am, you shall die in your sins. In other words, the Lord Jesus Christ said in the past, if you don't believe that I am the I am, I am the eternal one, I am the one that inhabits eternity, I am the one who is the great creator, I am the one who who has been, who is, and who always will be. All of that is encompassed in the term I am. And he had said, unless you believe that that's me, you will die in your sins. That's why it's so vitally important to come, to know, to believe, to confess that Jesus is God, very God. He says, and he did. This man did. And he said unto him, he said unto Jesus, Lord. And then he said, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. So he realizes when he says, remember me, that this is not just any God, but this is a God of grace. The law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. This is a God who loves, for God so loved the world. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. He believed that. He believed it to the point where he said, Lord, I know you have compassion. This is a man who knew that there was the Lord Jesus Christ himself who, looking on the multitudes that came, had compassion on them and sat them down and then fed them, thousands of them, 
with bread and fish that continued to just multiply. He knew this was a God of compassion. This was a God of help. This was a God who it says in Psalm 22, would not despise or turn away from the prayer of a broken one. He knew that. He believed that. What a change had come over him. Now he's imploring him. Now he's praying to him. Now this person has become a man of prayer, a man of supplications, a man coming to God with the greatest need of his life. And he says, remember. And he didn't say, remember us. He said, remember me. He realizes this is the God who hears the prayers of the individuals. He hears the prayers of everyone who comes to him. He realizes that he that comes to God must believe that he is. And this man did believe that Jesus was the God that is. And he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And here we see him on the cross, diligently seeking the Lord Jesus Christ to be remembered. And he's doing it in front of his former partner, in front of everyone who's standing there. He doesn't care. All he cares about is that God in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ hears him, that God in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ remembers him, that God in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ forgives him for his sins. That's all he cares about. And he doesn't care about anyone else. And and all those ones immediately, and he knew that, instantly turned against him. Why? Because the Lord Jesus Christ said, if they've hated me, they'll hate you. He knew they hated him. He knew that when he said these words, they would hate him. But you know what he said? It doesn't matter because it's more important for me to be four men confess him. And Jesus said, the Lord Jesus Christ said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my father. And yet the other thief who was there on the cross did not confess him. He denied him when he said, if thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. And the Lord Jesus Christ had a promise for him. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father. But we see that with all this pressure against this one thief, that he went through the change, he went through the becoming one of the sons of God as he made his prayer so open. And he was rewarded because in verse 43, the Lord Jesus Christ said to him, and Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. That's what he said. Today, he saw the fear of his heart. He saw the need of his heart. He had a fear for the future. And it was so precious of the Lord Jesus Christ to insert that one one word, today. Not just sometime way off in the future, but he said, today. Today, for a word of comfort, for a life preserver that he threw out to this sinking man and said, here, grab a hold of this life preserver in this word today. And he did. And there's one thing that's not written, and it could be for us the next part of verse 43, but it's not written. And the truth is, that day he was with him in paradise. And that was his great reward. He became a man of faith. He became a worshiper of the Lord Jesus Christ. He became a preacher 
as he let his own confession be heard openly, so openly, so clearly that it was able to be written down for us as we have it today. And oh, how that thief is so thankful that he made that decision and so thankful that when he could, he did take his stand for the Lord Jesus Christ because if he hesitated, if he waited, he could have lost his life He could have breathed his last, and the opportunity would have been gone. There's a lesson in that for us. Whether we're talking about salvation or whether we're talking about serving the Lord, just like that thief had that moment, that window of opportunity, and he took it on that day. And that's why the Lord Jesus Christ said to him, today you'll be with me, because it was on that day that he confessed him, But also, the Bible says, today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. In other words, step forward, stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ, confess him before men. Them that honor me, I will honor. And this man honored the Lord Jesus Christ amidst all who were dishonoring him. And God took notice of that. And great was his reward in heaven. Oh, we just can't wait to meet him, that thief, when we get to heaven. Uh, Really, it's terrible to be called the thief, that former thief. But we just want to go up to him and, and just tell him how happy we were for him, that we were right there with him as we read that passage. And God wants to do the same for us as he did for that thief. Give an opportunity, we take it, stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us today. Did you know you can find Tom Cantor on Facebook? You can under Israel Restoration Ministries or the Friendship with God radio program. There you can receive a daily devotional verse. So find Tom Cantor on Facebook or send him an email at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also call us at 1-800-247-3051 to receive a copy of this month's resource, Understanding the Jewish Messiah and the History of the Jewish People as Seen in the Life of Joseph. You can also call us to get a Tom Cantor DVD or testimony booklet to send to a lost Jewish person or even a Gentile friend that you want to reach with the gospel. So call us today, 1-800-247-3051 or go to friendshipwithgod.org. Thanks for listening.